You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Guys, I feel like we've started the podcast off with an intro about Seth Jarvis, so... Um, I'm just going to kind of half-ass this one. Something, something, Seth Jarvis. You'll half-ass all your intros. Whatever, dude. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. Sorry, I said that kind of weird. My name is Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. All three with you again this week. Um, what are we talking about this week, boys? We got some prospect action to get to. We got a couple of uh, very interesting games, and we have a 19-year-old that looks like he needs to be sent back to the WHL. Um, so, um, um, let's let's stop you right there. Okay, I'm sorry. No, we'll get into it. Actually, you know what? We should start here because Matt has been trying to pump the tires, and I just want I just want him to say it once and for all for everybody to hear. Because you've been saying it. You said it on Twitter and, and a couple other places. So I want to hear from the horse's mouth. Is Seth Jarvis staying in Raleigh? Oh, oh, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> what am I going to put on No, because you've been kicking the tires. You've been saying, no, he's going to go back. He's going to go back. So I, want, I just want to hear you say it. Because I know you said you think he's here to stay. So I just want to hear it out loud. That's all. I'm very much, like, cautiously optimistic. Like, always. And I like to temper <laughs> expectations, right? So... You know, especially when you have somebody who could be a legitimate superstar like Jarvis, I, I was a little hesitant to say like he's gonna be here to stay in the NHL because like I don't want people to get too excited and expect too much of him right away. But yeah, there's no doubt in my mind this kid's here to stay. Like he he has looked phenomenal. Um, three game goal streak, like, huh? <laughs> right, technically. Unofficially a three-game goal streak. Um, in my heart. In our hearts. Yeah, right, right, right. Three-game goal streak. But he, he looks really good. Um, I think defensively he's come a long way, which is something I didn't expect. And then offensively, obviously, you know, he's creating a chance or two every game. He, so, I love the way he supports the puck in the defensive zone. Like, at, at, at some points it might almost be a little bit, like, too – he gets like too deep in the zone sometimes. And I don't know if that could potentially cause a problem at some point in the future, you know, if the other team gets possession and then his point man is just like wide open, but there's so many times that like the hurricanes are outnumbering their opponent because he's like below the dots. And 90% of the time when he does that, he gets the puck out. Like he's there for support. He ends up taking the puck and starting a breakout the other way. I've been really impressed with that. He's never like a bystander to the play. Yeah. 
He seems to be involved, and I just I, I love how active he is, especially in the defensive zone. It's been really impressive to me too. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, obviously, the coaching staff has noticed the same thing. I mean, you take a look at his ice time over the past five games after barely playing ten minutes in his first two games against St. Louis, who was up at like nineteen minutes. I mean, he, he's really earned his opportunities, and I mean, obviously, watching him, you understand why. But you know, Matt, um, I I, I got to thank you for for not for not getting us too carried away with expectation but <laughs> you seem to be forgetting here that considering the 10 years most of us endured as a hurricanes fan we don't have expectations yeah we do that to ourselves no anyway, right? that's not true <laughs> at all we still have ptsd <laughs> no man i remember the expectations we've set for <clears throat> zach boychuk Ryan we, Murphy, had, we 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 Zach expected Boyd. twenty goals from from Phil DiGiuseppe, but you know I, I yeah I, well and I then when Julian Gauthier had one good preseason right <laughs> oh um everybody thought he was going to be a superstar and yeah. you know then when we traded him the world was ending um yeah, because yeah. we traded away the future and so it's like now what I've kind of come to realize is like if I you know if I pump the brakes a little bit uh and say you know hey this player's gonna be good but it's gonna take some time and we might not see it right away i think it's valid and if they overperform or like outperform my expectations that's awesome like that's what i want you know yeah i did want to bring up though it was kind of interesting that (laughs) i kind of half expected him to be back on the fourth line last night because the hurricanes had their forward group anyway they're still missing brett pesci but their forward group was healthy last night Everybody was back. And hell, I mean, Derek Stepan's been great this year. And I mean, that just shows the depth of this team that he's the one odd man out. Like the Hurricanes have 13 forwards right now that deserve to be in the lineup. And it, I think obviously it says a lot that Rod Brendamore wanted to keep Seth Jarvis on that top line with Andre Sveshnikov and Sebastian Ajo. Um, I'm really curious to see how the rest of this year shakes out. If that top line stays together, I think just Seth Jarvis might end up pushing into the Calder race just because of the fact that he's playing with two of like the best players in the league right now like that'll be really interesting to watch for me I mean I think he can pretty much succeed anywhere because we even when he was on the fourth line you could tell how good he looked um at this point I doubt he goes back down to the fourth line but it'll be interesting to see you know what Brendan Moore does obviously he has a lot of options right now and a lot of players that have shown chemistry together yeah, I mean, he's definitely earned his place in the top nine. And, you know, it's it's a good thing for Sebastian Ajo, too, because now, I mean, now you don't have Jordan Martinuk anchoring that line and just dragging <laughs> them down. I mean, there was a few game stretch there where, you know, no disrespect to Marty, but we know what he is. We know what he is. And we know he's not a top line forward. And that, that line was kind of I, I tweeted out, man. I'm like, these guys are being neutralized right now. And there was a few game stretch where they weren't really contributing much. Um, and, you know, what's pretty interesting as well is that this early into the season, it's already kind of like Seth Jarvis and Jesperi Kotkaniemi have kind of switched roles. And Kotkaniemi, now he's at the point where he's the guy playing nine or ten minutes, and he's not really getting the power play opportunities uh, the way it's trending. So uh, I'm a little curious to see how that shapes out as well because, you know, obviously we all have the expectations for Kotkaniemi. And, you know, very early in the season, the returns haven't been great so far. Um so yeah, I I think I, I think it's going to be interesting to monitor that as well. Yeah, and we'll talk more about Kakanami in a minute. He's actually somebody I also wanted to bring up. But yeah, me too. you know, to your point about Martinuk, it's really crazy because he's been fantastic this year. He really has in his fourth line role. 
And like when you bump him up into the top six, he's just out of place. So his game is less effective. Aho's game is less effective. So you're really, you're hampering yourself in two different spots. But when Martin Oak has been on the fourth line this year, he's been fantastic. Flying around all over the place. Like just, he's just an energy ball. Like he gains a lot of energy, a lot of momentum for this team. And there's a ton of value in that, obviously. But it just like, I, I, Every time he's thrown up on the top line, it's just it goes out the window for both again Aho and Martinuk. So hopefully that's not something we're going to keep experimenting with because I've loved Martinuk's role or uh, yeah Martinuk's play, you know, in his role this year, and uh, you know, obviously now having Seth Jarvis, who Brendan Moore is starting to trust in that role, it's obviously working out very well for that top line as well. Yeah, and you know that was always kind of my major concern with bringing back. Martinuk because we just we know how much Rod Brindamore loves him and trusts him in every situation um, you know which always leads to him being over slotted and we know where where he's most effective in the lineup we know that he doesn't work with the skill guys you know I, I'm surprised we haven't seen him on the power play yet to be completely honest and, <laughs> you know knock on wood that that, that day never comes but um, yeah like you said to your point man um, great in his role on the fourth line obviously pretty effective on the penalty kill and he's got his role obviously loved in the room and whatnot but it's just we we need to get to a point now where, you know, with all these extra wingers that are coming in with Seth Jarvis, with Jesperi Kotkaniemi in the mix and all the options, even Stevie Lorenz playing on the wing. Let Please just, please just, Rod, <laughs> if you're listening, just end the top six Martinuk experiment. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> all that I'm going to say is that Martinuk's fine. Yes, he's not that good in the top six role, but I think a lot of the hate he gets is very unjustified. Because, like, wow. we know he's not supposed to be a top six player, right? I think with a healthy... conversation we just had, Matt. <laughs> I know. With a healthy Canes lineup, I think you get, like, <laughs> less Martinook, which is probably a good thing, right? Um, That's what we've been yeah. saying. He's been fantastic this year in his yeah. correct role. Yeah. When he's when he's not... And, and even when he was on, like, Aho and Taravainen's wing... It's not like he was bad. It's just there's a very clear skill gap. It's just a yeah. miscast. Like, yeah, they don't totally. Yeah. Anyway. All right. But I will say, I know you guys were talking about Kokaniemi. I want to say that he did look a lot more comfortable at center. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Way better. Like, Way I, better. I even admitted this on Twitter and I was like, that was his best game as a hurricane. He didn't, he didn't score. He didn't get an assist, but like, he just looks more involved. It's kind of like we were talking about with Jarvis a minute yes. ago. He's was he's been a bystander for far too many games this year, and you know hesitant with the puck stuff like that. And on the puck, he's still having some issues right now, and it's probably yeah. mostly born out of confidence issues. But he was much more involved. He was much more. He just had his feet moving last night. It seemed like. Yeah, um, I forget who mentioned it on Twitter, but somebody said uh, he needs to start making decisions a little faster when yeah. he has the puck. I, agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I think last night was a really positive step though, because, you know, he was more physical, the four check, like he was, he wasn't a passenger on the four check. Like you said, like he just did things and I haven't <laughs> seen him do that all season long. Like I, I I've seen him be very passive and you could, and, and it's so weird. And like, for me, not having played hockey, you know, I'm like, what's the difference between center and wing? But then when I see a player, like, go back to their natural position, I'm like, ah, like, I see there, there's, like, a tangible difference. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is just, like, 
especially with like the decision making and being like a little bit slow to react sometimes, I think part of that's comfort too. And something I'm hoping anyway, that's something as he continues to get acclimated both within the team and like just finding his role on this team. Totally. Like, I think that's hopefully something that'll just kind of be second nature almost, you know, it's like once you're comfortable in your surroundings, it's a conversation we have with a lot of defensemen that come here, right? It's like when they first get here, they kind of struggle. And then sometimes not till year two, but they're suddenly a different player and they're, you know, playing their game because they're comfortable with what they're doing in their system. So hopefully that's kind of the same thing we're going to see here. Hopefully it doesn't take an entire year to figure that out. Um, (laughs) But again, I mean, definitely a step in the right direction last night. And that's going to kind of make for more interesting conversation for like what the Hurricanes are going to do now, because again, Stepan doesn't really deserve not to play, you know, injuries do pop up over the course of the season. So I'm sure, you know, things will change, but it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And maybe Stepan just is going to be the 13th forward. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Um, uh, First off, I agree with both of you, but uh, that's actually the question I was going to bring up as well, because, you know, like at, at this point we have to consider that, the 6.1 million that Kotkaniemi is getting has to be kind of irrelevant right now. We know why they gave him that money because they had, they had to, to get him. Right. Um, But like you look at it from a roster, you know, an overall roster construction standpoint here. And if Kotkaniemi is better at center, which we can all assume that's the case because that's where he's played his entire career transition to the wing just hasn't really gone according to plan yet. And, you know, for a lot of guys, it doesn't, it's just, he might be better suited to play center. Yeah. And that's completely fine. But, you know, you look at you look at the Hurricanes depth chart in front of him at that position. And it, as of right now, he's obviously not overtaking anybody this year. That's for damn sure. Um, and the guys you have ahead of him, they need their minutes. Right. Especially at five on five. Um, so you're left with a guy you're paying six point one million, which you need to take into consideration. We can't really you know, we can't hold that against him. We, we just can't. Um, but you have a guy you're paying 6.1 million who is probably going to be playing eight to 10 minutes per night in his best deployed position, which, you know, does become a bit of a problem. Um, but at this point, are you going to keep trying to force something that's not working or are you going to try and get the best value for your buck? Even if you're not getting a whole lot of, you know, value out of it, I guess you could say. Well, you know, honestly, I, think this is where we should probably be glad Rod Brendamore is the head coach because he's just going to do what's best for the team. He doesn't really care yeah. that he's a $6.1 million player. If this is the role that Kakanyemi is going to be at his best in, that gives you a really good fourth line center. Like, let's, you know, think about that for a minute. Like, there's value in that. This team's trying to win a Stanley Cup right now. They're not going to worry Definitely. about, you know, of course they're going to worry about what's best long term. But at the same time, like, this team's built to win now. And if that's what's going to help them win the most hockey games right now, I guess you got to, in a way, bite the bullet and just put him in the position that he's playing his best hockey in. Um, you know, this kind of could lead to another interesting conversation about Trocek, who I think had his probably best game of the season last night. Um, I've talked about him a couple of times. He's producing, but there's been a lot of times I've just been like, he just doesn't look quite right. He definitely hasn't been playing at the same level he played last year. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, but last night he was really, really good. And, you know, it's a contract year for him. And I, I actually said something in an article I posted today, like he's been producing, even though he hasn't played that great. But if he starts to get back to the level he was at last year with the improved depth this team has, I think he could really take off, especially in a contract year. And again, this is all a conversation for like months from now, probably. 
But that does bring up the question of what you're going to do with him and where Kakaniani factors in. Is he the guy that you want to take over that second line center role next year? Who knows? All that stuff, again, is a long ways away. But yeah, it, it's a long ways away. But I mean, it is it is important to talk about. Like, I'm right there with you because, yeah. I mean, listen, Vincent Trocek, he's going to be 29 next summer. As we as we witnessed this past offseason with Dougie Hamilton, we 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 can understand at this point that the Hurricanes don't like to commit big money to aging players and you know the way Trocek plays he's got a pretty long injury history I mean he's on the smaller side and he plays we we know how he plays he's very aggressive he plays hard seven hits who knows yeah who knows how long his body will be able to hold up playing like that can he really be effective like that when he's 34 35 years old especially if you want him playing 18 minutes a night like it, it it's a very valid point and you know, especially if he keeps producing, I mean, he's got 13 points in 14 games and we're sitting here saying, you know, he hasn't really been all that noticeable, but he's producing on the score sheet and you get paid for, you get paid for production in the NHL. Let's be honest. I mean, he goes to the open market. He's probably going to get a six, seven year deal, at least at $7 million a year. And I think that could become a point where the hurricanes kind of price themselves out of his range. Um, especially with the the internal pieces, guys like Jack Drury and, you know, Jamison Reese, Ryan Suzuki, who we have expectations that could step into that role eventually. And now you bring Kotkaniemi into the mix if that's his best fit. But on the other side, you have, you haven't seen that kind of level of play from Kotkaniemi where you're going to be like, all right, if we are still in our Stanley Cup window next year, which let's all assume the Hurricanes will be, are you going to be comfortable based off what you've seen at this point to put Kotkaniemi in that role right now, it's a no. Obviously, we need to see more and see how the season plays out, but it's definitely an interesting conversation, and it's it's going to be a question that we're going to have to answer at some point. So I, I don't think I don't think it's ever too early to bring that up. Yeah, and I mean he's such a good fit, but I really have a feeling it's going to be a lot like the Hamilton situation last year, where the Hurricanes are going to offer him something, probably a ways below what he's going to get on the open market, and I mean. He's got to do what's best for him too. So chances are he ends up somewhere else. That and you can put Niederreiter in that same conversation yep. as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. <laughs> so one, like, I think that with the fourth line, I feel like you're going to see a lot of guys rotating in and out. Yeah. I think Stepan just happened to be the guy, like at that moment, that yeah. Brendan Moore was like, all right, come on out. And then. It's probably going to be Stevie at some point. It's probably going to be Martin Hook. Like I, that's just how it's going to be. I I have major reservations about Martin Hook getting scratched. I can't see it happening. I can't see it <laughs> happening either. But I'm saying, like, I wouldn't be surprised if I, it's at least I, considered. I would be very surprised, but you know, it should be something that's in the mix. I think the entire fourth line should kind of be substituted through, and you can even probably put Kotkaniemi in that mix right now. Oh yeah, um, I, I agree. But I think but, it's going to be the trio of Kotkaniemi, Stepan, and um, and Stevie. And I, sure. I, I don't well, think Martin Hook's going to ride the fine at all. But what I'm saying is like, you know, and this is crazy because the fourth line hasn't been bad. They've actually been really good. Very good, yeah. It's just Jarvis, and all, this is all props to him, right? He has forced the Canes to make this decision. Yeah, he's absolutely think, yeah. forced their hand. I think the Canes hoped that he would be ready right but the reason I, I feel like the reason they brought in Derek Stepan is because they it was a safety net in case Jarvis didn't work out they have a fourth line player who can at least you know produce in a limited capacity 
And what's crazy is I, I said today, you've, you've also got Jamison Reese down in the AHL who could easily fill that fourth line role if needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the Canes are fine. And I, I just wanted to get that out there. Cause like, I do think that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's just going to be step on. Um, as for Trocek, come back and look pretty good, by the way, going and assist yeah. in the first three games. Yeah. Playing with Jack Drury is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, let me add one more thing too. I definitely would rather have this problem where you're going to have, you yes. know, a guy like on any given night, maybe a step on or Lorenz's or 13 forward, as opposed to Josh Levo, um, because I, I didn't think he looked very good at all in the two games he was up. Mind you, very small sample size and all, and I haven't watched him um, at all in Chicago yet. But yeah, this is—it's definitely better than like than that, and getting excited about what Greg McKegg can do. Uh, wow, that, or that you know that's some unnecessary. No, listen, that's some unnecessary slander right there. You don't; those guys are both legends. Are they? They're both Hurricanes legends. Are they? Or are they just fourth line players that no, sucked no. at hockey Listen, that Saku Canes Mac, fans Saku Mata Lennon is the real grade eight. We established that already. And <laughs> Greg McKeg, are you really going to slander Greg McKeg? Yeah, I've been are slandering you... <laughs> him for years. <laughs> Damn. I even said when they called him up, I was like, you know, this guy has his career high in points is like nine. <laughs> so like. Let's maybe calm down a little bit <laughs> yeah, about the he, wildest he was, guys he was, here to he stay. He was fun that year. He, he was fun. Uh, all right. I'll <laughs> let you have it. All right. Well, I mean, there's really not too, too much crazy going on. Anti Ranto probably had his best, obviously a very small sample size, but I would say he was also excellent last night and at least deserves a shout out. But other than, you know, getting healthy and kind of the lineup decisions we have that we've just kind of talked about, there's really not a whole lot going on. You know, the Canes are still looking like an absolutely elite team, one of, if not the best in the league right now. And uh, lots of good feel good about. Um, you know, the team has and, looked this good defensively without Brett Pesci. Yeah, and Pesci, exactly. Pesci's soon to be back. So, you know, there's another gear that's – another lift that's hopefully coming here soon. Um, a couple of interesting games coming up. Uh, you know, the Anaheim Ducks have won eight in a row, and then you're going to a surprising Los Angeles Kings team that has been one of the hotter teams in the league of late as well. Uh, Jonathan Quick is kind of turning back the clock and looking really good. You know my boy Alex Iafalo is a beast. Um Former future hurricane that never was. Uh, and right up there with Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> so many others. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of surprised how good the Kings are. I watched them play against my sons last week and yeah, they're pretty good. They absolutely just overpowered us with so, their size, speed, um, their forechecking. Like the Sens just had no answer defensively, which you can expect when your team is icing Josh Brown, um, Nikita Zaitsev, um, <laughs> and and Victor Mete on your back end. It's it's about as bad as it sounds. But yeah, I was I, the Kings are a good are a good team. Um, yeah, you I'm know I just picked them up as like my second team at the hockey. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've been good, watching good, them good and, for you. and a lot of their like you know their forechecking style and all the young talent that they have that's coming up. It kind of in a lot of ways reminds me of the Hurricanes a few years ago. Um, I mean, it's not a perfect comparison, but they do. 
in a way, it's like kind of Kopitar is kind of like their Jordan stall. I don't know. You could figure it out if you, you know, really probably have to squint a little bit. But I was kind of making that thought the other day. But either way, they're going to be really good within the next couple of years. So those are going to be two tough games. Uh, and then after that, we get to hear Alex talk about you know who. Uh, well, we do have the Sharks first, but then after that, we get to hear Alex and Katie and everybody else talk about that. Well, not, not I'm not. I'm not prepared, man. I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not mentally ready. The Hurricanes Dave are going to just be better gonna be play in that game. The Hurricanes are going to absolutely curb stomp Seattle. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm don't getting, say that. I'm tired. Of Seattle, oh, you're right. I probably right? shouldn't say that. They're going to end up losing in overtime or something because Grubauer is going to make I'm, a I'm million sick. I'm already sick of Seattle. I mean, let's be honest. What a poverty franchise. What a poverty <laughs> coaching staff. What just these guys, How many man. Games I, have they played, I, I don't listen. I don't. I don't need to know any of the specifics. All I'm saying is when you are scratching Hayden Fleury regularly to play Carson Soucy and Jeremy Lazon, you deserve to be in last place. That's all I got to say. They're in last place. They are. I, they might be dead last in the league bar only the Arizona Coyotes. Coyote, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, now stop me if you've heard this one before and I know oh, everybody's boy. What'd you say? Brandon? I said, oh boy, I have a oh, feeling. I Brandon know made a face. I thought he said something. I was, my phone was making noise. Oh. Now stop me if you've heard this one, folks. Oh, a Ron Francis GM'd team with great possession metrics, with poor results on the ice, and abysmal goaltending. I, I, I've never heard that before. This is just shocking. And appalling. Yeah. No, it's 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 not. And this is exactly what we were saying: is that this team's going to have a good defense. Everything else is going to suck. And I'm legitimately shocked that Grubauer has been this bad, but he's got no help. I just didn't expect him to be one of, I think, if not the league's worst goalie this year. I think by some metrics, he's one of the worst goalies in the league if i'm not mistaken yeah i i can't wait to watch the hurricanes beat the pulp out of the kraken yeah we'll see it's I a, can't a wait. long road trip so maybe you know the hurricanes let a sticker that night but on paper they really should you know like i said curb stomp that team if anyway. flurry play if flurry plays the hurricanes lose if flurry scratched we're winning like six nothing so okay you're right that's it's how gonna it be a revenge game and flurry's gonna get one hit in 12 minutes of ice time <laughs> This is what they gave up. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, also, real yeah. quick, speaking of the Canes, def- or like Canes defenders, can we talk about Ethan Bear real quick? I feel like we haven't given him enough We, we can always talk about talk Ethan about him Bear. Like every week. No, we haven't. He's oh, I, I talk about him every day like every on single time, on Twitter. Man, he's been awesome. I, I talk I was, about him literally every day on Twitter. Uh, yeah. He has been so good for us. Yeah. It's been really nice to see, like, I was never a big Fogel guy. Like, no, me neither. <laughs> as a prospect, I was like, he might be something. And then when he gets to the NHL, I'm like, you know, fourth line energy guy that's playing way above his role. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when the Canes were shopping him, I was like, remember when we were like, yeah, we can get like a third round pick for him, maybe like a fourth, you know? 
Yeah, we get Bear. Ethan Bear, who wow. has been a top pairing defenseman for this team, has been absolutely insane this season. I mean, yeah, that's the new. I've been I've said it on Twitter a couple of times. That's the new. The trade was one for one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's not as bad, like atrocious, no, but still impressive. Let me <laughs> let me read like. So Bear this season is averaging 18 minutes of ice time a game. Just a little over. Played over 20 minutes last night. Yeah, his last five games, he's had two games where he's been over 20 minutes. And it's just, he's so, so good at five on five. Um, Very low event. Like, I feel like there's more offense to come, but like, it seems like they're never getting chances and he's his skating ability and puck moving ability from his own end. is just like always getting the puck moving up ice. Yeah. And he's, so this is the, the crazy thing is like, he, he is riding like a career high, like PDO. So like shooting and save percentage is a little high right now for him, but he's, he's looking really good just from like a possession standpoint and an eye test. Like I think, the analytics and the eye test match up really well, and that bear is just good. Yeah. Yeah. And well, everybody is, even Oilers fans are like, you know, this is going to be one of the worst trades that the Oilers have to deal with. Like, obviously, it's not like giving up a future Hart Trophy winner. Adam Larson. <laughs> well, I. Uh... Right. But Hall has also been traded twice since then. So, twice? Yeah, twice. And he signed in Buffalo. So he, he's, he's been around since leaving Edmonton. Like, Bear could be a cane for a while. Yeah. Yeah, you hope so. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, I think I wrote it in an article um, a few weeks back when I was gushing over Bear's play because he's just been such a seamless fit. But, you know, from the Edmonton Oilers side of things, when you can trade a 24-year-old, young, blossoming defenseman who already had pretty good results with their group over the past couple of years. When you can trade him, so you can trade legitimate assets for 38-year-old Duncan Keith and then sign Cody Cece to a four-year deal. I mean, you just have to do that, right? You you don't have room for a guy like Ethan Bear. Got to jump at that chance. 38-year-old anti-vaxxer Duncan Keith. (laughs) Yeah, and, and an extension for uh, Tyson Berry. I mean, man, Ken Holland. Keeping Ken Mike Holland, Smith and from goal. Yeah. The Oilers right. are fun. Of course they are. They're really good this year so far, but we'll see how long that holds up. Offensively. All right. We keep getting a little bit off the beaten trap, but I do want to go ahead and let's take a quick moment and get a word from DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on the planet. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game to win $100 in free bets if either team scores one goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN 
Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> All right, uh, we got some prospect stuff to jump into, huh? So For the yeah. second week in a row, let's go. To, uh, I need um, to get like a new uh, uh, song or something to go right here. And it's like we're going to prospect land, and we'll have a weekly segment. And bum, 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 bum. yeah, it's and you know what? Speaking like speaking of weekly segments, let me shamelessly plug that I have started a weekly prospect future canes segment um, over at the oh, hockey. I writer. get it. I can't wait yeah, to get that out. Like, pretty, honestly, pretty clever. So that future Kane special, um, by the time you're hearing this podcast, episode two um, will probably be, be live at the Hockey Writers. You can find it on my Twitter. Um, when and is I'm that start, coming out, Alex, like off the podcast? Um, my first one came out last week. No, no, no. When is the second one coming out? Because I was oh, going to do like um, kind of a similar thing this week, and I don't want to like copy. You. I actually haven't started writing it yet. I was. Oh, I, damn, I, wanted have, I wanted to have it out tonight, um, but I, I don't know if I'll get to it. But all right, so I, I'm going to start things off here, and this is going to be a bit of a spoiler because I actually plan to include this player um, in my episode this week. Um. And that player is Alexander Passion, who's been, you know, just, he's been phenomenal. Um, He's, so you get a guy, um, they drafted him last year, obviously, in the seventh round. And, you know, a lot of scouting outlets had him as a top 100, even a top 50 talent. And for a lot of reasons, a lot of circumstances, you know, a lot of these Russian players, these Russian kids fall kind of through the cracks during the draft. Um, just because, you know, all the circumstances where you, 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 it's hard to scout um, in these leagues and, you know, there's the prospect of are they going to come over or not and all this, like all the factors. And then you take the fact that passion is five foot seven, 150 pounds and you put that on him. So he goes from a top 50 talent to a guy that if not for the Hurricanes probably doesn't get drafted last year, um, which is obviously a shame because he's very good. And we seen, you know, we seen last year he basically outgrew Russian Junior. Um, just kind of skated circles around guys in that league. He scored well over a point per game. Um, and you know, you always have to temper expectations because you expect a guy with that kind of speed and skill to kind of tear up a junior league like that. Um, and this year he finally moves up to the VHL, which is like the Russian equivalent of the AHL, I guess you could say, Matt. Would you would you agree with that? It's yeah, I mean it's it's their second tier league, but there's definitely more of a drop in competition. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, re- regardless, um, so he is now with Taurus Neftamisk. Neftakomsk. Yeah, okay. Well, I was way off. Keep that one in there. Got to work on that one. Um, <laughs> You know, and we'll he's workshop got, it. And, 
in in 18 games, um, he's leading that team in scoring, which is obviously a great sign because you move up from the junior league to a men's league now, and he's producing at the same rate. And I mean, he's le- so he's leading them in goals, not in points, but um, he's tied for their team lead in goals with somebody named Igor Dubrovsky, who is 32 years old. Um, and it, it, it just goes to show that, you know, he wasn't a flash in the pan and he can produce at a men's level. So I went one step further um, and compared how he's doing in that league to other U20 players. And he's leading the, that entire group um, of U20 guys in the VHL um, in goal scoring. He's third in points behind one player who was passed over um, in the 2021 draft because he's also five foot nine, 150 pounds. And Nikita Chibrikov, who is obviously a pretty fantastic prospect. Um, he was really and, good at the Karjula Cup. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, um, Passion is even ahead of the likes of Vasily Ponomarev um, in scoring. Mind you, he's been up and down between the KHL. But I, I think it's a very encouraging sign now that you know, he's, he's moved up into the VHL and his production has stayed the same. Um, especially he just turned 19 years old before the season. Um, so he's a late birthday and he's, he's really fit in well and produced there. Um, and, you know, I even compared his production to that of Kirill Slepitz, um, who I had pretty high hopes for at one, at one point in time, I thought with his speed and skill combination, he, could and you know how hard he works I thought he could maybe emerge into something but um he's three years older than passion and he has not even produced at passion's rate in the VHL yet so I'm um cautiously optimistic that um passion might I I I mean he's he definitely has an NHL level skill set um but he's on a very good track I think he's trending really in the right way um and obviously you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself we got to see how he does when he eventually moves up to the KHL. Um, but, you know, there's obviously a lot of factors that if he doesn't produce in the KHL, there's a lot of reasons that younger players don't really get that opportunity there. So it's not really the end of the world. And I think, you know, putting up these kind of numbers so early in his VHL career here at 19 years old, I think it, it speaks really well to his future. Um, and, yeah, it, it's going to be fun to keep watching him develop. He won the best forward at the uh, Four Nations, right? Yeah, he was named the best forward. Yeah, that's what I thought. So impressive showing there. And, I mean, ton of skill. Got to see, A, if he ever comes over to North America, and B, you know, how that will pull it up against men, which we can see that a little bit if they ever start playing him in the KHL. But, you know, a lot of of potential outcomes there. But for a seventh-round pick, it's a hell of a dart to throw, right? Yeah, it's definitely one that you want to make in the seventh round because, you know – if he works, if he turns out to be, you know, a solid player, then you're looking great if he comes over. But if he doesn't, it was a seventh round pick. Oh, well, you know, right. Yeah. There have been worse seventh round picks. They can't all really, be Steve, really right? Right. One guy that I want to mention is uh, Jackson Blake, who is currently leading the USHL in scoring uh, by one point. And actually, I, I just looked it up. Three of the top five skaters, um, or the top five scorers, are all on that Chicago team, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. Like Chicago is so—they're always so good. But um, Blake is looking really good. 
a lot of primary points, a lot of skill with the puck on his stick. Um, it's just, you know, this is the USHL and he's already, you know, a little older than at least I'd say half of the competition there. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, I'm all, the USHL is improving year to year, I think, in terms of talent, right? It's becoming a more, it's becoming stronger and we're seeing less players jump ship to the CHL. Like it's the USHL. The USHL is it's getting better. We're seeing less players jump ship, but at the end of the day, it's still you know probably the fourth best developmental league in North America behind you know the OHL and WHL. I think at this point, it's probably tied with the Q. Oh yeah, yeah. The Q the Q does nothing for me, and I find that a lot he of he has like, like two hundred points. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have to really change the way they play because it's not setting up players for the modern nhl anymore it's very much you don't have to play defense and just score yeah, a shit ton that, of points that, that's and kind of fair like yeah like you can have success but as we've seen with guys like lafreniere like the nhl is much more than just score a fuck ton of points right yeah so that's just me Go- going back to um Jackson Blake and the Chicago Steel of the USHL at this point I mean I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here but can you would you say he how can how should I word this would you say at this point are you comfortable saying that Jackson Blake is the best Hurricanes prospect to play for the Chicago Steel or has he not quite taken over that position from Billy Rossin and yet I mean, the, the Hurricanes have some legit alumni in that program. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> one sec. Sorry, I thought you were going somewhere serious with that, and then all. Of well, a sudden, I mean, hey, you, you gotta get, in. you gotta, you gotta always finish off the bit. You know what I mean? As <laughs> as soon like it, it just, it's so easy. It's, it's that just was, it was, that was good. That caught me off guard because for a second <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Slavin, but I don't think he played for them. I think he played for Waterloo. But are are we even sure Slavin is clear of Billy Rossin at this point? I mean, it's so such a such a tight scenario it's, there. It's close, it's close man. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's close. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, Slavin and... did actually play for Chicago. So, um, no, Jackson Blake is not the best Canes prospect to play for the Chicago Steel. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm okay with giving Slavin an honorable match uh, mention behind <laughs> Rossin. I do that's, love that's cool. Slavin cool is like. Probably he's tracking towards being the best defenseman in in Hurricanes history, and like as a prospect, did we ever like talk about him like at all? <laughs> like, he, he was he was very under the radar. I it remember. was before I really started tracking prospects. Yeah, because when he signed twenty fifteen, yeah, 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 twenty fifteen was around the time I started like getting interested. In he was like, pretty quick to be in <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm actually like gonna be dead honest. Um. I, I'd followed him during his 2013-14 season at Colorado just because I noticed that he had like 25 points or something in like 30 games. I'm pretty sure he led them in scoring. And I was he like, was okay. also uh, World Juniors, wasn't he? I 
don't I see I don't remember I I followed but I didn't follow really that closely um but I remember that he actually led the team in scoring and I was like okay I've never really heard anybody talk about this guy it was all you know Ryan Murphy and whatever back then yeah Slavin Slavin <laughs> Hilariously. was on that world uh the USA's world juniors team yeah goal and an assist in five games in 2014 yeah, yeah, so I, I remember him leading um, them in scoring, and that's when I really started taking notice of him. Um, and I followed him close, like a lot closer the next year, and he took a step back offensively. So I was like, is this guy, like, is he a flash in the pan? What is he? But I never <laughs> actually really watched him. You know, I just kind of followed the stat sheet. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's pretty crazy to see that he um, has turned into what he's turned into because – uh, nobody, nobody talked about him at all back then. Um, right. I was kind of on his hype train a little before he made <laughs> Well, they the were NHL, even but... saying, like, in his draft year, he wasn't even ranked. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. I remember that. So he was just kind of one of those USHL skaters that, you know, I mean, in his draft year, he had 30 points in 60 games, which in USHL is nothing. <laughs> no, nah, it's not that much. Even for a defenseman, that's not that great. But you know, that's that's what scouting is, right? Yeah, you credit the Hurricane Scouting Department. That's exactly what I was going to say. Right. You pro- you project. You see a few things, especially in those later rounds. You see a few things that you like and can take a chance on, and then you build on it. And yeah, look, I know plus minus is a flawed stat, but in Slavin's sophomore year at Colorado College, which that team was horrendous, they won six games all year. But in thirty-four games, he was minus twenty-eight. Jacob Slavin was minus 28 in the NCAA. The man who has never been a minus in a season in his NHL career. (laughs) Right. Wow. Which is insane considering he's played for the 2015-16 Hurricanes, the 2016-17 Hurricanes, and the 2017-18 Hurricanes. (laughs) All atrocious teams. And not to mention that that Slavin pick saved what was – a pretty awful draft class for the Hurricanes um, in general. I mean, I mean, didn't they draft Brock McGinn that year? Yeah, M- McGinn, McGinn is the only other. Um, and Tavo Teravainen. Well, they traded Stahl. Tec- yeah, or they yeah, traded for Stahl that year. So I guess, you know, that, that if that yeah. counts for. That's anything. a saving grace for sure. But um, I always believe Trevor Carrick was like just bound for the Yeah, NFL. remember when he was our top prospect? <laughs> I liked him, man. I always thought he should have gotten a chance. And it, he had some decent moments when he played, and they just send him back down, and that was it. So I was like, all right. And, you know, I'll pour out pour out one very quickly for my man, um, Daniel Altschuler, who oh, was man. the 69th pick of the draft. Um, so, you know, <laughs> should have been a legend, but well, obviously We've got a better 69th good. overall pick in Alexander Nikishin coming up. Oh. The last guy that I want to mention – is Itu Makinemi, who once again has just been phenomenal in the AHL. So like, good. As somebody who's watched almost all, I haven't watched today's Wolves game yet, but I guess it doesn't see that matter. that beauty Jameson Reese scored. I did see that. But um, as somebody who's watched all except for, I think, one or two of his starts this season, I can safely say, like, he's the reason why Chicago has won a few of the games he started in. Yeah. And he was also the reason that Ilvis was any good last year. It's just, it's yeah. a recurring trend. It amazes me how bad Chicago's defense can be. And they give up so many odd man rushes. And Maki Niami just stops all of them. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm really he's excited. So good. He's very good. And, you know, not not going to sit here and, you know, overhype myself at all. But who has been saying 
for the past couple of years that Ichimaki Niemi is just clearly the best the best goaltending prospect in this system as of right now. I just I can understand the argument for Kochikov based on you know the measurables and the skill set and everything, but we just haven't seen it. It just hasn't translated the same way. You know, a lot of that is obviously due to a situation. But I, I just I right now I if if I had to be like I am a betting man, but if I had to put money on um on who I would I would assume emerges from the Hurricanes' goaltending uh, prospect group, and you know there's there's a lot of bodies back there now. Um, it's just it's far and away Makiniemi based off what I've seen, dating back to last year where you know he was just another level for for Ilves, and he really when I saw him carry that team like that um, in a men's league in, in Finland, great league obviously, and great place to develop, and he just took that, that team on his back and just carry them, carry them yeah. right to the postseason and almost, well, I mean, I, I guess almost might be a stretch, but you know, he kept, he really kept them alive against the best team in the league in the playoffs. Uh, really gave them a chance. And you know, that's all you can ask for, for your goalie. I, I just think he's got, he's got that it factor that you need yeah. to be effective as a goalie in the NHL. Um, and I, I think he's just got a, a very, very bright future. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Obviously, you know, it's still a very small sample size, but the early returns are promising. I do want to bring it back to the NHL Carolina Hurricanes for a bit. Because I think last night Tripp said something that was kind of... A lot of people probably took it as far-fetched, but I think it's a lot closer than people realize. I know where you're going with this. (laughs) He said that in a 2015 redraft, he would take Sebastian Ajo second overall over Jack Eichel. No. (laughs) His reasoning was a little off, I think. But I think (laughs) you you guys are going to have to fill me in because I had the the Vegas broadcast. So so this is actually the first I'm hearing of this. He said said Eichel was like drama and like. Yeah, he said, Eichel, there's less drama and Ajo is. I think something about being like more complete. Yeah. Which is true. Ajo is way better defensively. Yeah. Right. That's true. Like, and he plays on the penalty kill. I think peak Jack Eichel is better than peak Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. I, I also think like person argument. Sebastian Ajo is probably better than person Jack Eichel. So yeah, Tripp's, Tripp's reasoning was that Eichel has a lot of drama attached with him. Meaning the whole you know, the whole saga. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more. I also think him, Trips a little fine. more tuned in. So, like, you know, there might be behind the scenes drama. I mean, Eichel made it very clear he did not want to be in Buffalo. Yeah, but that's partially Buffalo's fault too. Oh in, it, in, no, it's it, not it, partially. It, 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 made, like literally fault. entirely. It's all their fault. fault. Okay, yeah. thank you. It's entirely. I was trying not yeah. to speak in absolutes, but I'm with uh, you. No, 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 no. We'll be, I, we'll be listen, Sith. We, we deal in absolutes here. <laughs> Listen, we're all obviously major Sebastian Ajo fans. How can you not be considering the turnaround the team has had since he has joined? Trip has the tendency to be a bit, a bit of a homer. I mean, let's be honest, just just a bit. You know what I mean? Um, Call a spade a spade. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I'm not really shocked he would say something like that. Um, I think. Matt, I think it was Matt, hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, as far as uh presence that I want in my locker room, it's probably going to be Sebastian Ajo. But peak, the peak of each player. I mean, what what Jack Eichel has done playing with nothing in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, you know, you put some actual talent around him. I I don't think 
really the the peak talent is really going to be up for debate but we'll see you know um i think with, if vegas called the hurricanes right now and said hey or or if the hurricanes called vegas right now and said hey aho for eichel they'd be like hell yeah <laughs> like right now it's one thing because of the injury history and everything else but like yeah i think that's it's what i was to gonna say because of how much time he's missed how, how good he is and because he plays he in buffalo is like and yeah. like you know playing in buffalo can kind of taint your view on a player um but i, I went know. back and watched some of his highlights the other day dude like He's, He's so ridiculous. Good. <laughs> like, yeah. The puck absolutely expl- – he just has that natural ridiculous release where he, like, flicks his wrist and the puck just zings into, like, the top corner. Ridiculous shooter. And, I mean, it's not just the shooting ability. He's a big body. He's, like – can you know, he can fight off checks. He can, can uh, protect the puck. He's a decent skater. Like, he's pretty much got everything offensively. He's right up there with Matthews, honestly, to me, on a skill level. He just – a hasn't had the support around him and B the health and everything else that's kind of hampered his career to this point. But if he's healthy, Jack Eichel's one of the five best centers in hockey, probably. Yeah. Maybe, like, well, I, 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 I think he's going to be pretty phenomenal. Um, in, in Vegas, Vegas. No, no, Vegas no, yeah. no disrespect to, to Sam Reinhardt because he's a, he's a <laughs> damn good player, but um, you know, you're going to have Jack Eichel playing with guys, who can really finish, um, you know, like Max Pacioretty, uh, if they play together, or Mark Gisot or Mark Stoner, whoever he's with. He's going to be playing with guys that can produce consistently offensively, um, you know, which is a huge step up from playing with Evan Rodriguez as his first line winger. So I, I, I just – I'm not sure it's really fair – to compare Aho and Eichel, especially if you're just going to go based off points, especially considering, you know, the surroundings for each guy. Um, it's, it's kind of just, I, I'm not sure anybody should really be compared to Jack Eichel because situation wise, it's just never going to add up. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think we're all on the same page here. The only way I would take Aho over Eichel is if Eichel comes back from his injury and isn't the same player. Yeah, yeah. And the that's the only way I'd be able to justify putting Aho over Eichel. I think he's comfortably number three because I think he's better than Mitch Marner. Yeah, but is, is this Noah Hannafin erasure? Yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> um, but I think there's a very there's a clear gap between two and three here. So I agree. that's my take. I think it's a lot closer than it would have been, say, like, 2020. Like, March 2020, when everything shut down, there's no debate on what on who's better. It's Jack Eichel. Yeah. But the fact that we can sit here and be like, well, you know, Aho is this, 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 and this, and Jack Eichel's injury history this, like, shows you that it's a lot closer than I think it was a year and a half ago. Yeah, like, I, I don't really think it's, like beyond realms of absurdity to make the comparable or to suggest it, I guess like Trip did, but it's, um, it's a discussion. It, I think it's sure. more just absurd because of how Trip worded it. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, I, if I think you go back and listen to the, if you go back and like listen to it, yeah. It's, I'd love I, to I mean, it's typical clip. trip absurdity, right? <laughs> I'd love to hear the clip, but you know, I had um, I had the the Vegas broadcast, and you know what? Um, quick shout out to Dave Goucher. He does a phenomenal, do a really job. good job there. He yeah. he he's awesome to listen to. Um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of like fresh opposing air. opposing feeds lately, just because out of curiosity mainly, but also to hear some of the discourse about some of the players on the Hurricanes and just how they talk about the Hurricanes in general. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, obviously being in Ottawa here, I all I usually always get um the away feed. Um I like well that that's how it used to be. Um I started streaming games now, so I I get to pick my own feed. But just for you know, just to for consistency, I always when the hurricanes play away, I always um listen to the the opponents, um, like the home feed. Um just exactly for what Brandon said, just to to, to get a different perspective on the canes. Um, and no, you know, no disrespect to Mike and Trip, but I, I, I just I need a little variety sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, and I like right. to hear, um, some some opposing uh, broadcasters see who does a good job. Um, That's you know, really I, I, I I've put I've put a few teams on the uh, on the blacklist. There's just there's a few groups I just Boston. can't listen to. Yeah, well, yeah, Boston and Washingtons but... are the two I can't. Yep, that's the two that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I think that's wraps it up for this week. We've gone on quite a few tangents and uh, we obviously don't want to make Brandon's job too difficult with a game going on uh, Thursday night. Seriously. Shut up. Do your work. But folks, we want to thank you all for listening. This is a 12-2-0 team that is only going to continue to get better once they are healthy and once they get some contributions from players that have had a little bit of a slow start to the year. But um Alex, you missed it last week, but I don't know if you've heard. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 